here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Hello, guys. Just a quick disclaimer. We had some issues with both Skype and the actual recording of this episode, so, um... Well, the best way to put it is probably that it required a lot of editing. I think for the most part it sounds fine, but if one or two parts just sound a little odd, uh, that's probably because I like to fiddle around with it in post-production and uh, it hasn't quite glued together like I'd like. Um, so, sorry in advance, although maybe if I hadn't pointed it out you wouldn't have noticed. Who knows? See you on the other side of this intro. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the third edition of the Brit Rest Roundtable. Coming off a great night for British wrestling as a whole um, after the events of Bola taking place, was that earlier this month? Mm, late last month I think. Um, uh, I'm Rob and I'm joined here by Ollie Court and a returning Arnold Furious. Hey I'm back, how's everyone been? After we've fought through some connection issues, um, we're Attempting to bring you a uh, a RevPro-centric podcast um, in what will be, hopefully, uh, as long as schedules allow, the the first of our schedule of roughly bi-weekly or twice-monthly going forward podcasts. Um, some of the feedback we got from the first two episodes, especially the second one, was that it was somewhat overly long. <coughs> Just a little. <coughs> I mean... Uh, uh, I'm sure you love the sound of our voices, but three hours mm. might be a little much, even on um, even on this network, uh, where you're used to Rich and Joe going the distance. So we're we're going for slightly more regular uh, podcasts. Hopefully they'll be a bit shorter. Um, we'll try and keep it under two hours. We were planning on doing that earlier this month. Um, but schedules didn't quite line up, and then RevPro, um, and in particular Andy Quilden, who runs RevPro, he had some laptop issues, and when you're running a one-man operation, you've got laptop issues, it, it kind of, it led to delays for both their YouTube shows and their on-demand shows, and then our, the three of our schedules didn't quite line up. But uh, we're here now, and um, that meant we're pushing back our progress reviews um, from chapter 21 to the next episode, or maybe the episode after that, we're not entirely sure, but we'll cover them eventually, um, probably when we're previewing the next progress show. Um, but this episode, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be focusing on RevPro. Um, we'll be covering the TV episodes and the 
more importantly, we'll be previewing the two big New Japan and RevPro joint shows um, that are taking place at the beginning of October. Um, is that October 3rd and 4th? No, it's October the 2nd and the 3rd. And I know that because it's my birthday on the 2nd. Oh. Ah, well, I'll be seeing you then and wishing you a happy birthday. Yes, you both owe me a pint. So I consider that a birthday present from Andy Corden running a show with like a load of New Japan guys on my birthday. I, uh, I appreciate that. It, it is quite the treat. Um, for those for those wondering or worrying, as it may be, that uh, due to the heavy Bola uh, UK involvement in Bola, um, we're we're going to be avoiding spoilers for that show until the DVDs come out. Partly because obviously we haven't seen the. Um, the actual matches, because we weren't there over in Los Angeles, um, so we wouldn't have too much to talk about. Uh, but also because we know some of you are going out of your way to avoid those spoilers and don't particularly want it um, us to just blurt them out um, on here. So, um, yeah, we, we won't be spoiling Bola. Let's just say they did well. Yeah. Um, well, we, we keep saying this is like a big renaissance for um, for British wrestling and how much it's, it's struggled through the dark years since... Uh, going back to probably world of sport. Um, but if there's ever been like a jumping on point, it, this would be it. And I think Bowler's going to be a, a great place to um, to check out the, the British talent for anyone who isn't familiar with it, just to, you know, see if they like them. And they should do, because um, like everyone that's involved in it, well, almost everyone that was involved in Bowler uh, from the UK is, uh, you know, real top talent. And uh, from I was uh, reading the Wrestling Observer uh, newsletter and uh, Dave Meltzer's ratings for the uh, a lot of the matches involving the British guys were, were very high, like four stars plus across the board. So uh, it's good news for us. Mm-hmm. Once those DVDs comes out, they'll be making a lot more fans. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it, it's definitely great for because um, a lot of the three of us have been have been seeing these guys put on great matches. For a few years now, at least, but um, PWG is definitely a bigger stage mm. for them, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be eye opening for a lot of guys to see. Yeah, I don't I don't think it is really a surprise to any of us that how well they uh, all performed over there. But um, perhaps to somebody not familiar with the British scene, it's uh, it was perhaps a bit of an eye opener. There's so much talent knocking around. And um, what I found amazing was um, we, even with the those um, depleted depleted um, ranks with some of the top guys going over to Los Angeles. RevPro actually ran a show um, on the same day as uh, Bola was taking place and drew really well. So it's um, really indicative of the, the health of the UK scene at the moment compared to where it was even just a few years ago. Well, even when uh, when it was FWA was doing really well, they only had like three or four top guys. There's a lot more than that now. Ready to go on to the, the RevPro TVs? <laughs> uh, 24. Um, I'm not sure what the venue is. Uh, do either of you know the, the venue? It's a really small one. I think that's um, sitting that Sittingbourne. I can't say I'm not overly keen on uh, showcasing the promotion with such a small venue. I'm not sure that's a good idea because it's... Uh, I've seen a lot of shows in the UK over the last... Uh, 15, 20 years, where they've been at uh, like really small venues and you, you can tell it's not a very professional setup. And that's the same sort of vibe I got from that. So that's a little disappointing to see that. But in a way, I thought that helped the guys that they had on 
24 because it was uh, Gideon Gray and Jake McCluskey. Yes, it was fitting ball. Just uh, looked it up. Okay. The UK Paper Legends Club. Yeah, it's it's a very small venue. I'm not not overly keen on that. So I've, I've seen a lot of shows like that. It's a bit like um the cockpit, which is well, the cockpit's different though. It's the the way it's lit and the the atmosphere that you get in there. It doesn't yeah, feel yeah. like a small show. It just feels like a taping for a big show. Yeah, it's definitely like a studio feel rather than just yeah. It's like the Memphis studio shows from the. This is possibly before your guys' time, but back in like the seventies and the seventies and eighties when they did studio tapings with uh, Jerry Lawler and so on and so forth. That's what the cockpit feels like. Whereas uh, Sittingbourne, uh, it just feels like a uh, like a social club, or I'm not even sure what it is, but it just doesn't. Mm. It just doesn't reek of professionalism. I'm not keen on that at all. It's like I, I feel like I'm watching something that's very low budget. It's kind of like a mid tier British indie, like with no big names attached, just kind of like 200 people milling around and watching some wrestling in the social club, like you say. It had that kind yeah, of yeah, and the, the crowd almost feels the same way. It's like you don't have that same atmosphere. Look, at the cockpit's kind of more uh, raucous and like people are into the show. It's the young yeah. kids hanging around. I think the, the London crowd helps that as well because, you know, the smart fans, some of the people who, like the progress diehards of there, yeah, they yeah, make yeah. lots of noise. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely makes a big difference to the to the feeling of the show, and I think it's it's kind of disappointing they're showcasing stuff from from Sittingbourne, um, and I think it, uh, the first two shows, uh, twenty four and twenty five, were both from there. Oh, I think all three. Oh no, you're right. They all three were from there, and um, they've all got the same sort of feeling, um, and that makes a difference to the way that some of the guys worked as well, because um, there is a mentality among uh, wrestlers that. If it's a smaller crowd, you have to do more of the interaction, you know, the clapping along with the um, yeah. baby faces and stuff. Um, I've never really been keen on that. That's very sort of small-timey stuff. Um, some of the guys did really well with it. Um, the, the show, that the 24, uh, with Gideon Gray against Jake McCluskey, that was actually a really good match. That's the kind of match that you can have in that environment because you've got uh, Gideon Gray's gimmick is kind of a... It's like a, a small venue heel. It's like, ah, oh, shut up, and all that, and you're yelling at the, <laughs> the kids at ringside, and uh, Mr. Moonsault, is, he is a small arena babyface. Um, he doesn't do very much, but um, then Gideon Gray did even less to make the stuff that he did do look flashy, and it really worked. <laughs> it <was> a... <laughs> so it's almost like the smaller scale helped those guys more than it did the guys who would yeah. work better on a bigger stage. Yeah, and then when you, you saw the the episodes that followed that, I think the opposite was true, and it just it kind of hurt the the vibe of the show. Um, whereas that came across better for for being in that environment. Yeah, I don't I know if that, that makes sense to you guys, but um, yeah, that was that was a pretty good match. I thought uh, Gideon looked uh, made uh, Jake look a lot better than he was, and you could kind of get the sympathy going for him that he doesn't normally have. It uh, it that worked for me. I don't know if, how you two felt about it. Yeah, I I actually, going in, I had very low expectations for this. McCluskey hasn't really done a lot for me in quite a while, um, probably since he, he had a tag match with Osprey, and that that was probably um, mostly Osprey making everyone look good around him. But, um, yeah, great. This was the first time... I really saw Gray have a serious match and enjoy it. Usually he's 
he's been stuck, um, maybe not stuck's the right word, because he's very good at it, but he's been in a, in a almost entirely comedy role. While here, he, he, he obviously still had the, the comedic elements to it, but, um, he wrestled this more of a straight match and, and really, really surprised me by how good he was. But he's um, very technically capable. And I thought he did really well. The, the only other, uh, major thing of note on, uh, 24, uh, was there was an interview, a uh, very brief one with AJ Styles. And he was talking about how wrestling against Justin Liger was a dream match. And that kind of got me uh, really going for the uh, match that's going to be taking place on the third uh, the, uh, in Reading. Mm-hmm. Because if he's looking at it as like a, a match of his dreams, then he really wants to go in and, and have a hell of a match with, with Liger. So uh, then they're not going to be taking it easy in that one. That's uh, that's really good news, I think. Because mm, um, while while Liger obviously is somewhat past his prime, every a couple of times a year you can he he does really put on one one or two really fantastic performances, and you do get the feeling AJ is going to give everything in his under his power to really try and make this a, a great match in a vacuum, not just a um, a legend. Uh, a match against the legend that people are coming to see because he used to be great. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to kind of uh, sidetrack the whole TV thing by talking <laughs> about something that we're going to talk about later. But uh, that for me, just that little interview that that sold me. I mean, I already wanted to see the match, but hearing that interview was like, uh, yeah, he's he's really into this. This is going to be good. Yeah, those are some of the best parts of uh, Rev Pro TV when you have when you have the like the guys. Like in front of a brick wall, talking about the matches that are upcoming. They had that with Will Ospreay and Matt Seidel on an earlier episode, and that ma- match made that match and that feud like feel really personal and feel more important. Um, so that's one of the best parts of what they do with this. I don't like the interviews with Andy Quilden in the studio so much, but the interviews with the Invisible Man in front of a brick wall definitely work for me. Yeah, I think uh, Andy could probably do with um, getting somebody to present the show possibly or at least co-present with him but not uh zoe no offense to zoe but um <laughs> you know somebody who's who actually has a lot of experience I mean, obviously that's not easy to come by um so i'm not sure who you get to do it but uh possibly a wrestler a wrestler would be a good idea they do that for the wxw show they have one of their wrestlers uh presenting that and like if you have the charisma if you have the promo capabilities already in your bag then you don't need to worry so much about presenting yeah that makes sense i'm sure there's somebody out there who could um who could do it justice not not that andy does a bad job it's just it's very dry and it could do with somebody who could give it a bit of um pizzazz the the last real takeaway i had coming from this episode was it felt to me that they were trying to um push gray as more as a serious character compared to he spent most of his time as a comedy character, and that uh, I get the feeling that that's kind of um, going into his feud with well the entire female division. It seems seems like um, they don't they they want they don't want to be presenting him as a joke and then feuding with the women's division on uh, on a level level playing field because then that kind of establishes the uh, female division pretty badly. Yeah, it's a bit of a reset for his character. Because um, I'm not sure if we actually mentioned it, uh, Gray did win 
uh, against McCluskey with the uh, the House of Lords. Submission. Yeah, after working the arm for the entire match, so uh, you know, good psychology as well. Twenty-five. We had the Hunter Brothers against the Revolutionists. Um, Hunter Brothers are a, are a decent tag team. Uh, that this is a good role for them, sort of uh, working against another team, showcasing them on on TV. I'm not convinced they're, you know, really at the the level where you could book them on a, a bigger show. I know they have been on uh, with Two Unlimited at um, the show with the Carter on last year, but um, yeah, in general, I'd say that their kind of level is slightly below that. Um, not that either of the the guys in the Revolutionists, Shah uh, Samuels and, and James Castle, are that great. Um, Shah is more on the promos, and yeah, I think I guess we're going to have a conversation about James Castle about how we feel about him. But um, yeah, it was kind of a kind of a nothing match, very basic match. Mm. Yeah, the thing with the Hunter Brothers, I, I think they're kind of a good base. As long as, but they don't really bring any any spark to their matches. You need you need to put them in. If you put them in with a, another tag team or a good, it generally results in a very good match. But both these teams, they're kind of bland in the ring. And yeah, I got to the end of the match and it was it, it was just there. It was just the match. I know. Even the um, even the commentators sounded a little bit bored during that one. It was just, <laughs> it was hard to to sell the storylines that they were. You know, presenting us with, and if if they're not into it, it's like I really can't get into it. You know, and uh, the hunters uh, won that match, but it was it just it felt like a fluke, which I think was what they were going for. Yeah, yeah, it probably was, but um, it doesn't really do a lot for them going forward, even if they did win. And I, I suppose they're going for some sort of dissension angle with the with the revolutionists. Um, yeah. I do actually quite like I quite like I quite like what they're doing with the revolutionists. Like they have the Bodeman Castle, the young guys who both in kayfabe and in real life they're trying to bring up to a better level. And they have Skull and Samuel sort of lecturing them and trying to keep them in check. I quite like the direction of that. Well, I think Bodeman's doing a much better much better job in that role than than Castle is. Yeah, whether or not James Castle is deserving of that kind of angle or that kind of praise, uh, we can talk about that. <laughs> I I kind of take issue with, uh, well, several things about him. Uh, he, he's kind of bland as a worker, uh, but what's worse is he's, the, the whole approach to his character doesn't make sense to me because he's this uh, he's got like a like a punk rock gimmick. He's got the, the you know the spiky hair. Uh, the tattoos everywhere, and he hasn't got a name that matches that, and he hasn't got a ring style that matches that. He's just a guy, and mm. uh, James Castle. If you said James Castle to me, I, I'm thinking maybe he's got like a like a James Bond gimmick or something, because that's <laughs> kind of what the name would suggest. Whereas it it doesn't say punk to me at all. Not not even in the slightest. Mm. I noticed like the, his taunting during the match when he was going, getting the heat, getting the crowd reaction. Like it, it didn't seem again like a guy, a punk rocker, almost like a deranged look. Like he sort of uh, tries to be deranged rather than he's not living. No, that's exactly what I would say. You've got to live the gimmick. His looks good. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with his look, but it just it doesn't 
translate to like an in-ring style. And no, no. I mean, I'd like to see him do more like headbutts and you know just general unpleasantness that you, you kind of associate with with punk rock. Um, and I, he has to change his name. He he has to change <laughs> his name. It's just not it's not conducive to what he's going for. It's just not right for him. Is it his real name? Would you say? I I don't know. <laughs> it could be. Um, I think being put in there with Samuels has kind of accentuated his blandness because both, has a both lot of, of them have kind of become. <laughs> yeah, but like his in, it comes through with his his, his the way he's been he um, taunts the crowd and his promos. But like in terms of his actual in ring, he's very much a punch and kick guy. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's true. And then Castle's kind of. Gone, um, gone into that same mold. So, and and he, he hasn't shown any personality that he can um, he can get away with that the same way Samuels can. Uh, and it's it's really not helping him. I, I will play uh, devil's advocate here for James Castle and say that he is still young and he hasn't been wrestling for that long. So, and I have seen some improvement in him, like from oh, the first time he was improved. on Red Pro TV. I mean, watching him on episode twenty-five. Um, he, I'm 26 because he's on that as well. Um, his in-ring is a lot better now than it was, say, a year ago. Uh, he was, I wouldn't say clumsy, but he was very mechanical uh, back then. And it's like he, he's kind of smoothed that off a bit. So he's definitely improving, but he needs to kind of overhaul what he's doing because uh, it's, it's not working. He needs to get into character more, like you say. Like, he needs to really believe that he's kind of deranged and... Yeah, if, the, like if that's what he's going for, then he, he's got to do it. <laughs> 100%. At the moment, he's, he's not. He, I don't feel the character. Mm. And you have to. Not like, I mean, like, immediately after him is uh, Jimmy Havoc against Eddie Edwards. And Jimmy Havoc, when he walks out there into the building, you know exactly what he's about. He doesn't have to say a word. He doesn't have to do anything. It's just, there he is. He's even got Die Havoc Die written on his... Uh, t-shirt he's got the the mask you can still you look into his eyes and you can see that he he believes in himself and he believes in what he's doing and that's a massive difference you have you have to have that and i wouldn't have said that jimmy havoc is that much better in the ring uh than james castle and there's not like a massive difference uh in terms of what they can do uh but he just believes in himself and believes in what he's doing and that's that's why he's Im- impressive um, why Castle at the moment isn't. He probably has the best character and the best, like, charisma, best aura in anyone in British wrestling, and that really puts him over the top. But half the battle is um, is winning the crowd over and making them believe that you're... I mean, he was wrestling against Eddie Edwards, and he didn't look out of his depth, even though he wasn't anywhere near Eddie in terms of technical skill, uh, because he knows what he does well, and that's what he did. In the match, uh, he he never exposed himself by trying to do some kind of weird, like you know, flip uh, counter thing, and which could have gone <laughs> wrong. He just stuck to his strengths. He stuck to the strikes and um, and just did what he was best at, and he came across really well because of that. So he he's a guy that really understands his limitations and his strengths, and that's why he's really good. What did you guys think of the match in general? 
as a match on its own. Out of the three episodes, I'd say that's probably the best match um, that's on there, the, the Havoc and Edwards one. It's not great, but it's it's definitely the best of the from the shows, from those three shows, anyway. I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, was the, I would say it was the best, but at the same time didn't have a huge amount of competition. No, that's true. Um, um, I, I was slightly disappointed in it. Um, I, I went in with pretty high expectations. I'm a big fan of both Havoc and Edwards. And it, it, it did, as you were saying earlier, the, the presence of the, um, the, the, the small arena they were in um, that did not help them at all. It did feel like a a sea show level performance from Edwards, who's obviously used to working in front of um, bigger crowds. Well, you you can see he was kind of had spots lined up for that because like the, the when he used the the guy in the front row to Irish whip him into the into the corner spot. Um, he he had stuff lined up specifically catered for that smaller crowd, and um, I. Yeah, it didn't really do that much for me. Mm, I feel like if it was in the electric ballroom with everything that Jimmy Havoc's done in progress, it would be like a much, much better match, much better, much more well received. Uh, as it is, it was kind of uh, it was enjoyable for what it was. Well, I think you put any match in front of that progress crowd, and it's going to be better than than Sitting Bourne. It's the the crowd <laughs> that makes that much of a difference. Mm. And they could have had a, a very different match based on that as well. But, um, yeah. It very much felt like two very good wrestlers going out there and putting on a competent performance. They're so good that they were never going to have a bad match together, but the, the effort level wasn't really there to um, to make this anything special on must-see, which it was probably unrealistic for me to hope for that mm. in front of such a yeah. small crowd. But when I saw Jimmy Havoc versus Eddie Edwards on paper... I was um, I was expecting a bit more. I, I must admit they did have me with the with the finish though, because uh, when he hit the the acid rainmaker, and it was like, oh god, he's going to pin him. I, I actually thought he was actually going to win the match, and then uh, obviously Josh Bodum comes out and uh, and ruins the whole thing, kind of to set up the uh, match they got at Uprising. But they, they had me that there. I do like that they gave Havoc the visual pinfall. Yeah, they were saying like he's on that level, which. Um, I mean, he, he's not technically, but um, he, in terms of personality and character, I mean, he's—I would say—he's above Eddie Edwards quite quite easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the two level out. Yeah, um, there there was a very good like <coughs> closing sequence, which, which really the last few minutes of the match up until the interference from Bodum, um, where it really showed what these two guys could do together if they if they were put into a position where they, they really went all out. And, you know, it was like a nice taste of what it could have been. Yeah, if something more important was on the line, I think they could probably have a, a real belter. Uh, so, yeah, the match did end um, when, as uh, Arnold said, um, Jimmy was about to pin Edwards after hitting his finisher. And then um, Bowden came out of the ring and pulled the ref out of the ring just before counting the free count. I thought... The way they actually did that was quite good. They, I didn't note notice Bowden before they actually pulled him out. Um, like the, the cameras made sure to avoid him. Okay, yeah. Uh, so twenty six. Um, you had the this is the revolutionist angle kind of continued a bit there with um, uh, Shah Samuels telling uh, James Castle that he's got to improve and giving a bit of a verbal 
shooting uh, before his match. And then we had uh, James Castle against uh, Eddie Dennis. Uh, well, for starters, you can never trust a man with two first names. Honestly, I, I can see... I was kind of hoping that they'd swap them around. Uh, I think James he needs to go and reinvent himself, and I don't think he can do that as part of a part of a group, uh, unless it's a, like a radical change, but within the like with what the revolutions are doing. Um, whereas you look at Eddie, uh, I think he'd be capable if he was in that same role. I think he'd be uh, like if he and Shah were tag team champions, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, well, I keep saying about James. Um, I think he needs to change his name, and I think he needs to change his style. Eddie, his moveset's okay, but I think he needs to hit the gym because he's a bit. <laughs> it, he's a big fella, uh, but he's not got any kind of development on his arms and his shoulders, and you can see he's got a little bit of a little bit of a beer gut there, and uh, yeah. I, I get the th- like he has he has a lot of size, but he doesn't have much of like a, a wrestler physique. I, I kind of get the feeling he, he's kind of coasting a bit. And um, oh yeah, I get that feeling yeah. in progress as well. <laughs> he has nothing to sink his teeth into. Is the problem? He's just kind of showing up. Here's Eddie Dennis. That's, okay, it would be nice if, if Repro gave him something to do. Um, if he got involved in the revolutionist angle, if he replaced James Castle, for example, I mean, they probably won't do that now because they uh, went through that match and it would kind of have had a bit of a defensive finish. But um, he'd be, uh, you know, a useful guy to have around in that capacity. I got the feeling that they were um, they were teasing that they were going to bring in Team Defend um, to... Yeah, they mentioned it on, on commentary, yeah. Uh, and then afterwards, um, Andy was saying, or oh, maybe he'll bring in uh, his his reinforcements. Team Defend is um, Mark Andrews, who's just uh, finished competing over at Bowler, um, and Pete Dunn, and sometimes his brother Damien Dunn. Um, Pete, was he in King of Trios this year? Was that last year? One of them. Yeah. Um, so they could be um, teased. Well, it... If it was a tease of um, them coming in, it wasn't a very subtle one. <laughs> but, um, with the booker, the booker literally <laughs> saying, "Oh, I hope he gets brought in." Um, but Mark Andrews, I think he's coming over to Britain pretty soon. He's lined up for a show in Wolverhampton in October, and presumably now TNA is dead. Is it? What's the status on TNA? I'm not sure. I think they're just a bit short of money. They're dying, dying a slow death. And also, um, Pete Dunne is fantastic. Like, I've seen him live plenty of times, and he's definitely one of the better wrestlers in the UK right now, and certainly needs a bigger stage to really evolve his game. So maybe Rev Pro is that. Yeah, so if they're thinking of putting a stable together to kind of go up against the revolutionists, uh, that wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. I'd quite happily watch that. And also, Eddie Dennis is a lot better when he's with Andrews. Definitely. But he still needs to hit the gym. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we kind of mentioned he was coast. Uh, we it felt like he was coasting. I think he's really been coasting somewhat ever since um, he Andrews left for the states because those two were really uh, going places as a tag team together. And then uh, Mark Andrews won British Boot Camp, and then most of the promotions Eddie Dennis has been in, he's kind of just been in limbo ever since then. Um, and the other match on twenty six was Josh. Uh, Flash Morgan Webster, your favourite, Rob. Um, 
Hmm. I've always felt that uh, Josh is better as a smaller, uh, sneakier heel working against bigger guys. And uh, Flash Morgan Webster is not a big guy. He's uh, he's tiny. He's a cruiserweight. Um, so I, I, I don't know. That, that match didn't really work too well for me. And I, I like Josh. I like him a lot. But um, it just didn't seem to click all that well. But they had some decent ideas. Like the uh, I like the the ring apron spot where he um, he pulled the uh, the apron towards him as uh, Webster was doing a like a baseball slide, and then he kind of fell behind it. I thought that was clever. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see stuff like that all the time. It's uh, using your environment, which is it's good. It's innovative. Um, I think what you said about um, Gray, Gooding Gray doing what he's capable of and not really trying to do anything that he knows he can't do, I think Webbs is almost the exact opposite. He wants to be very creative, and sometimes he pulls it off, and sometimes it looks really good. I thought like his tope dive in this match looked fantastic, but then he also does things that just fail, look really bad, and like you feel like he just shouldn't be going for that kind of stuff, especially on a smaller scale like this. I, I don't know if he fancies himself for a luchador, maybe. I, I don't know. But, um, I mean, some of the stuff off the ropes was really tidy. Uh, the 450, the, uh, which was the finish, uh, that was solid. Looked pretty mm-hmm. good. Well, that is his finisher, so you'd hope... Yeah, well, you'd hope he'd be able to do it. But <laughs> Billy, Billy Kidman couldn't hit the Ashinton-style press like <laughs> seven, eight times out of ten, and that, that was his finish. So, uh, you know, there's no guarantee. He doesn't really botch much, um, per se, but... There, there is a lot of his his offense that that doesn't connect. Mm, I'm not sure how you say it. Maybe quite as snugly as you want, or or quite as clean as mm, you, you'd it like. It just looks a bit awkward. See. It's not like watching Lucha Underground, where it just looks like they're on rails. Like it look, it looks like a man trying to do things that he's seen on TV. I mean, look, uh, both of you guys are, uh, didn't live through the the dark ages of, uh, of British wrestling. Going going back. Uh, like 10, 15 years, I mean, he would have been uh, bubbling under the top guys uh, because there wasn't a lot of uh, talent around and they weren't uh, particularly capable in the ring. Um, you're looking at uh, uh, Webster, I'd say he, he, he was okay. You know, he doesn't make, like, uh, like I said, Rob, he doesn't make mistakes. Um, but you, he's not uh, like possible breakout star heading to America, kind of good, but he he'll do. You know he's good enough. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Josh, I I see big things for him. I'm sure he can um, do something with his career. Mm. Bodum's a little bit controversial. I know some people really dislike him, and some people within the industry don't like him. Um, but I yeah, a lot of people do see some great things for him as well. And he definitely has the look, um, he has the charisma, and like some of his matches, especially the one with Tommy End in the preview match of Summer Sizzler, I thought he was very good in that, not just that. Tommy End was the better guy in that match, but Bodum definitely hung with him. And this this feud with Havoc has done wonders for him, it's really made him look like a star, and it's definitely pushed him to a higher level, and I can't wait for their match at Uprising. Yeah, me too. I'm actually looking forward to that one. Yeah. It's something that I've really built hard on the on the TV shows. Uh, that was the finish in this uh, match, by the way. The um, uh, Bowden was uh, 
basically uh, distracted by uh, Jimmy Havoc watching from uh, ringside, and that's how he lost. So that'd be uh, one all, I believe, on the, on these TV blocks. Yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of the the finishers to these two matches. Um, we had Havoc losing after disqualification, uh, after sorry, after a distraction from Bodum, and then. Um, the opposite happening, um, Bodum losing to Webster after Jimmy Havoc distracted him. I did him. think the, the first match they did that a lot better. I thought the uh, the distraction in that was better than, than the uh, finishing the Bodum-Webster uh, match. I just thought it worked better. It all felt kind of unnecessary to me because um, they, they'd set up the stipulation that if either guy touches each other then the match doesn't happen, and they both wanted the match, so they already had like a pre-built-in excuse to why they could have these matches go clean. And I didn't really feel that the, the interference here added anything um, to the feud in particular. I, th- I think a problem they've, they've got, Rob, is that um, you look at the card that they've got for Uprising Weekend, and most of the matches involve people that uh, they can't actually build the match for because they're not there. Uh, most of the New Japan guys. So that's the one match that they can actually build stuff up for. So that's kind of what they've been uh, they've been going for. Uh, it might it, it is pushing overkill at this point, but uh, mm. yeah, it's it's worked for the most part. I think uh, I just didn't really feel that the these last two um, episodes really added anything more to the feud to what they'd already done, and it it just led to. Um, you know the the Edwards and Havoc match being cut short. I would say spoiled with a uh, a uh, screwy finish, but taken away from um, when that was um, a match that was really just coming up to being where it was really good, and then cut somewhat short. But it's free TV yeah, well, that, that, on YouTube. Like so that that first match that worked a lot better for me than. Um... Than the, uh, the the Webster uh, Bodum one, I don't think that worked quite as well. Um, perhaps if they'd done that like a couple of weeks apart, maybe uh, stuck the the Gideon Gray uh, match like in twenty five, and mm. you know put a bit of space between them. It felt a bit repetitive, but I feel like this feud has already like gotten over. It's captured people's imaginations. I think back to the June. TV taping in the cockpit when like the place was just going mental for it and there was just two minutes of solid chanting for it. It kind of hijacked the show. So I feel like after that they knew they had something going with this. They've really pushed it hard. Um, I don't think it was too much overkill. Maybe a bit repetitive but I think the feud has built very well and people are very hyped for it. Okay, should we move on to the um, to the Uprising Weekend stuff? Yeah, go for it. Yep, so um, New Japan on, as I mentioned earlier, the, what was it, the second and third, mm-hmm. get it right this time, RevPro is hosting its its first um, true joint shows with New Japan. They previously had, um, they have had um, a few, few guys coming over for their bigger shows, um, but this is the first time that they've really had a, a full-on um, large chunk of the New Japan roster coming over in a similar way to the way Ring of Honor has with their War of the Worlds and Global Wars shows they've had over the last two years? I think just two years Ring of Honor's had that. Uh, they've definitely been in the last two years. I 
don't remember 2013 or anything like that. I'm pretty sure it's two years. Um, so these two events uh, are... The, the first one is Uprising, and that's happening in London in the York Hall. If you have seen a RevPro uh, show already uh, that's not the TV, that's probably where you... Um, that's probably where it's taking place. It's the... Uh, they have their... I think it's three times a year they, they run um, the York Hall. Um, and that's their really big shows that they, they build up to. Um, and, it, and it's a stacked lineup. Mm, very good lineup. Um, you've got how many matches is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven matches, and they're all could feasibly be a main event. This could be a main event anywhere in the world. Yeah, that's that's quite the cliche. In it's a beautiful uh, cliche that one is. I love it. When when you're um, looking at pretty much any of these matches, maybe with the exception of. Um, the the tag match with the New Japan guys, um, they really could be, um, you know, I, w- I was putting together the, the order of the matches that I expected, and in the end I just gave up because they're all um, all elite. You've got matches that main evented um, New Japan, uh, main evented big New Japan shows, um, big New Japan pay per views that are probably going to be four or five matches down on the card. Should we get into the matches then? So, the the first match, I don't actually know the run on, running order. You've kind of had a guess at the running order, um, but it's really hard to predict because there's so much, uh, so many good matches on. Uh, is a rematch of the Best of the Super Juniors final um, from this year, uh, Kushida versus Kyle O'Reilly. This was a match that, when it happened in New Japan, really wowed a lot of people. My, probably my favourite junior match uh, in New Japan for at least several years. I, um, I was kind of expecting it to be good because, um, I mean, you look at the two guys involved, um, Kushida and Carlo rather both very, very uh, technically sound. They're both very good on the mat. Um, there, there are not an awful lot of cruiserweights that are on that sort of level. Sorry, junior heavyweights that are on that sort of level. I... I uh, off the top of my head, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is probably on that level, and maybe Daisuke Harada from Noah. And that's about it. Um, so it's not really a surprise that they had, they had a great match, but uh, yeah, it, it was really st- a really strong match. Mm, this this match is in my this match was in the, my top ten of the year so far. It's currently tenth, so it's probably going to fall out by the end of the year. This rematch could replace it. You never know. It probably won't get enough time. To do that, but it should be absolutely fantastic to see live. It's it's amazing that that level of match on a British show is could feasibly be the yeah. opener. Um, I'm not sure if it will be. Um, there are a couple of matches that you could put this on about the same level as, but um, you know, even even just a year ago, I I would have seen that match, and um, even on a big Red Pro show, I'd have thought, well, that's probably main eventing then, but. Um, this show is so stacked that um, while this match is, I it might be my most anticipated for seeing live of the weekend, but um, it's not overshadowing anything, and um, that's that really says a lot of. Yeah, it's, it's not any, in any way like headline business. It's like if the 
if that match uh, was suddenly dropped, uh, it'd be disappointing. But you still look at the card and go that that card's still there. You know, even uh, whereas like like you say, but a year ago, it, uh, even like earlier than that, if you had that match advertised and you didn't deliver it, that that was the card gone. It's just crazy to think that this is an undercard match, really. It just speaks volumes about the, the level of the, the card for the show on a whole. Um, the second match, well, maybe the second match, um, is the one that's really been, they've really had a chance and have delivered in building up through um, the RevPro TV. Um, and that's a no DQ match between Josh Bodum and Jimmy Havoc. Yeah, we've already talked about this one quite a lot. Um, anyone else have any thoughts? Any particularly strong feelings that you need to get out about this one? I, I do like that it's no DQ. I think that's going to be uh, Jimmy Havoc's environment. It's um, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that one. I Looking at the, uh, the card, like you say, Rob, it's very hard to pick a running order from it. Uh, that could possibly open. Um, it's hard to say. And what, what I really feel is uh, a big plus in favour of um, what they've done on Red Pro TV is that if you'd have just put this match out there um, a few months ago without putting any of this build in, it would have really, really stuck out on this card um, as the weak, the weak match of the um, the seven. But the way they built it up, it definitely feels on a par, at least with with. You know, Kushida versus Kyle O'Reilly, which is um, which is kind of crazy to say. I'd say quite a few people would uh, deem this like the most anticipated match of this card, which is surprising given like who's involved compared to everyone else in all the other matches. I think going back a couple of years, and um, you, if you had that card listed down, people would be looking at that one and say, oh, "Wait, if they weren't familiar with British wrestling, they'd look at that match and go, what's that doing on there?'" But the way that it's been built up. It, it absolutely belongs on, on that card, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Who do we think is going to win out of this one? Um, <sighs> um, you're really putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Jimmy Havoc, because it's his environment, but, but that would be it. I think uh, that way he's got uh, Josh has got an out. Afterwards, you can say that uh, I, I don't do this uh, this hardcore stuff, and you know that that's why I, I lost the match. But uh, yeah, it could go either way. I'd probably, if I had to uh, make a prediction, I'd probably go Bodum. He he's the the person who's who's more uh, entrenched in the the Red Pro roster. This could be the end of this little run for Havoc. They do tend to bring people in. For it spurt. does depend how they're going to uh, go with it, if it's going to be an ongoing thing. I mean, even though, having said that, I'm basically destroying my own logic of saying that I think Havoc will win because uh, uh, the logic is if it's going to be an ongoing uh, program, then the heel wins the first match. And I'm guessing Josh is supposed to be the heel in this one. Cause he's... I think it's heel versus heel, yeah. really. It, it, it is heel versus heel, but. The way that the revolutionists have backed uh, backed him up, I don't yeah. say he's the heel, the bigger heel, the heelier heel. Josh, on the latest episode, uh, the latest tapings for the TV, actually won the cruiserweight championship from um, from Osprey, um, presumably in preparation for Osprey going on to bigger things. But the, 
I'm not sure they'd want to beat Josh in one of his first matches since winning the championship. Um, but I guess it could set up Havoc for a shot. It depends what Havoc's direction in RevPro is going forward, whether he's going to be around or whether he's going to cycle through getting replaced by someone else. Yeah, it's, well, it's hard to tell. That's that's the, the joy of it. It's like, um, it, there's nothing worse than walking into a show and knowing who's going to win. Mm-hmm. The situation kind of reminds me a little bit of the Paul Robinson match that Havoc had uh, at the last chapter of Progress. Um, it could be Bowden beating Havoc at his own game and putting him over really strong, as Robinson had with Havoc. Yeah, that could be worse. Yeah, they definitely seem to be building Bowden, and what, what, what better way to, um, to push him up to that next level than to, to beat Havoc at his own game. I really hope they don't Stray into the the ultra violence deathmatch style in this. I don't think they will. I'm not sure the the um, the York Hall environment quite um, quite fits with that. But um, well, Havoc is formerly a deathmatch wrestler and does. Um, yeah, you mentioned the Paul Robinson match. Um, that did stray into that area. I, I think we might see elements of that, elements of the deathmatch. Uh, uh, being in no DQ, I think you're going to see something, but it's whether he's going to go, you know, thumbtacks like tubes, whether he's going to go that far or whether it's just going to be, you know, just a little bit of bloodshed, possibly. I expect to see thumbtacks. Um, I hope he doesn't move on to the light, light tubes level, but you, you never really know with Havoc. Um, that that's kind of like a, a personal thing for me. I'm sure some people there will, will love it when they um when or if they bring out the light tubes, but um me being the squeamish person <laughs> I am, um I can't can't really get into death matches. So right, Rob, uh, I'll I'll shield your eyes. <laughs> I I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when it's safe to look again. <laughs> <laughs> right, so um any any other thoughts on that match or should we move on to Let's move on. Well, potentially the third match on the card. Right, um, that third match is uh, the fairly newly heel, um, Tetsuya Naito. um, Los... Los Ingo Bernables. Continuing the Voices of Wrestling tradition of not really being able to say that. that, uh, um, And he's taking on uh, fresh off his challenge for AJ Styles for his... um, the British Heavyweight Championship, uh, Mark Haskins, uh, who really, in the last few months, has been having a big match after big match. Yeah, I like Mark Haskins a lot. I, uh, I said that, um, I, I was going to say last time, but I, we kind of, I missed the last time, but it was the time before I did uh, try to put uh, Haskins over as being, uh, as being a really good guy, and uh, I still think he is. I, that should be a really good match. Um, I'm hoping that Naito... Uh, doesn't overdo the whole heel thing that he does. It's just a little bit too stally for my liking. But uh, we'll see how it goes. I absolutely love the new Naito heel gimmick. Um, like the match he's having tomorrow in our time with Shibata. Once this is up, he'll have already had that. I'm beyond hyped for that, and uh, I'm re- I'm really hoping Haskins fits in with that style well, like, he almost takes, like, a Shibata persona, but he's just so pissed off and can't take any of Naito's shit, and it really creates something special. I think York Hall will really take to Naito, like, they've shown in the past that they can really 
throw shit at someone like Roddy Strong at Summer Sizzler. So hopefully <laughs> this gets a big reaction and both guys are so good in the ring that they can back it up. And, you know, I'm, we're pretty much saying this for every match so far, but this, this really could be, be something special. Um, could be match of the night. You could say that about pretty much all the mm. matches. Um, but um, definitely not one to sleep on. Um, Haskins is great. Naito is great. Um, and newly invigorated. Um, so yeah, should be should be another great match. The the uh, fourth match we've got now is well, it was going to be um, ACH versus Chris Travis, um, but unfortunately Chris Travis is apt to um, retire. Um, he uh, he went through um, cancer treatment for his uh, I think it was was it kidney cancer. Um. Something like that. Yeah, we'll go with that. Stomach cancer. I think stomach it was cancer, stomach. I think it was. Yeah. Um, and he fought through that, came back, um, seemed to be primed to um, really be be pushed right up to the top of the the British scene. Um, had had taken on a, a high profile spot back in Progress. Um, was was higher up than well was set to have a big high-profile match here against ACH. Um, but unfortunately, uh, he hasn't gone into too much detail uh, about it, but he's he's had to uh, call it a career. Sounds to me like the cancer might have um, returned in some way, and he's had to um, uh, re- not re-retire, but um, he's uh, come to the conclusion that he'll never wrestle again, um, which obviously is heartbreaking after he um, fought so hard to to come back and look really look better than ever, or right up there with where he'd been previously, and then uh, to see him have to bow out. Um, it it it's sad, sad to mm. see. Yeah, it is very sad. And um, Chav uh, used to work up in the northeast quite a bit with people that I know, and they've always spoken very highly of him and. Um, uh, it's it's disappointing when uh, when you can't follow your dream anymore and it and it's over and yeah I don't know what else to say but yeah very sad for him. Now um, when they when they originally announced this show, I don't think they quite had the the plans for um, quite as many of the New Japan talent to to come in um, because when they when it was first announced, ACH was. Um, Front and center on the poster, um, clearly intended to be one of their big draws for the um, for the show. And um, obviously, when they 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 went from beginning, I think originally it was going to be one or two New Japan guys. Um, they, then they changed that to uh, how many they got now? They've got Kishida, Naito, uh, Okada, Gado, Tanahashi, Liger, Nakamura. Styles and well, Kyle O'Reilly as well, and Tenkoji, and uh, Doc and Doc and Anderson as well. Yeah, they're going to be on the uh, second show of the weekend as well. ACH kind of got shunted to the side somewhat, um, <laughs> but uh, I was very much looking forward to seeing Travis versus ACH. It's it's such a strong card as we mentioned earlier that even taking away such a an excellent match on paper off of it, I'm I'm not I'm not really upset about it, it's still really strong. They haven't, 
I haven't seen them make any announcement on um, whether ACH is still going to be there, or I assume he is, uh, and they haven't announced any replacement. Um, I'm thinking it might you might see uh, either Samuels or Castle step in here as they're on their second... Um, well, they're, they're, first of all, they're, they're champions with the company. Um, they seem to be on most shows. They don't have anything announced for this night, and they're on the next night, um, which neither of those matches I'd be particularly enthralled with, on paper anyway. Do you have any ideas of who, who could step in to uh, fill Travis's... I have a kind of a dream scenario. Um, they give the call to old Matt Slidell and they come in and have one of their best of seven series matches. Um, that's probably not going to happen. Um, out of the no, out of happen, out of the British but, uh, guys who are likely to be there, I'd say Joel Redman would be the best candidate to step in and have a good match. Yeah, that'd be a good option. Um, I was just thinking now. I'm personally hoping for Coach Ibushi, but I guess that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that, again, that would be, <laughs> but they don't really need, well. They're, they're flying over anyway, they might as well <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he can skip out on a few DDT shows, he doesn't need to work them. He can come and perform in front of us on the, the third match of the card. <laughs> sure, why not? Um, they could, I guess, go, um, go with Martin Kirby as kind of a sentimental sort of thing. With oh, him that'd be a nice him. touch. Travis's partner, um, but as we said, it's not going to be really a make or break for this show, or I can't imagine it being so anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of ACH, and um, pretty much whoever it is, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing ACH live. All right, next match. Right. Um, so then we've got Okada and Gato versus. Tanahashi and Lyman. When that was announced, I was I was like, oh wow, you know, New Japan, New Japan. New Japan. <laughs> but but then I thought about it and I was like, why why did they book them all against each other? We've we've seen this before. Why why not? It kind of reminds me of what they did on the um the the first time they did the cross crossover shows with Ring of Honor, where one of the nights, pretty much all the matches were stuff like this. I think you had. I'm pretty um, sure this was one of the matches on on uh, that night. It sounds very familiar. I think it was Okada and Gato versus Styles, Styles and uh, Anderson, um, something like that. But um, yeah, it it would be nice to see all these guys live, obviously, uh, as as almost as regular as um, it's becoming to see New Japan guys in the UK. It's still. It's still at the point where it feels special, but um, this on paper, despite perhaps it, ha you know, it's crazy to say that uh, I'm going to be seeing Okada and Tanahashi <laughs> have a match opposite each other live. It's the match I'm least looking forward to on the show. I'm kind of hoping it gets reshuffled. Um, what with uh, Travis being missing, you, you never know. You might get a bit of a bit of a reshuffle, possibly. Um, it's just it's kind of doesn't do a lot for me. I mean, it, it, I, don't get me wrong. Like a, like you said, Rob, it's it, to see those guys live is going to be great. But it'd be nice if they were doing something more useful. I know they've got Liger doing uh, like singles the next night, and and a Carter and Tanahashi for that matter. 
and Gado. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it, it would be nice if uh, if they were doing something less derivative. I mean, maybe this is just them uh, saving themselves. It should be fun, but um, yeah, I, I, I was I was marking out when they announced it, though. I mean, like big time. I think the match is going to be uh, a lot of fun, um, just because. Well, they all know each other very well. They can all react to each other's spots, and. I'm weirdly really looking forward to seeing Ghetto more than any of them, just because he's such not a random person, but like not someone people talk about when they say, "Oh, New Japan, yeah." Obviously, he's the Booker, but he's not uh, like the big star performer. But I want to see his spots. I want to just turn off the critical part of my brain and just have a bit of fun and see all the stars and Okada and Tanahashi interacting before the dome. That'll be fun to see. When it comes to when it comes to live shows, I do tend to just switch off the the analytical parts. I'm just like, just just give me something I can yell at, and <laughs> I'm quite happy. Even when uh, when Rev Pro had uh, Buff Bagwell there, I I still got the opportunity to scream die at him. <laughs> and he knew it was me. He could see. He could see the uh, the anger in my eyes. All the matches <laughs> that I'd had to sit through of his. Over that the was years. probably the, the most random import they've ever done. <laughs> God, yes. Terrible. Yeah, that didn't go over too well. Um, he he really went for the, let the promoter know if you want to see me back, and uh, didn't seem like anyone did. <laughs> oh, I let him know, all right? That, I, I lost my voice uh, during that, um, when he had that, that in-ring thing with uh, Andy Boy Simmons. I actually shouted so loudly I lost my voice. <laughs> so, uh, in a way, that's, you know, it's it's kind of a draw, I guess. But um, yeah, I'd still rather have these guys. Ghetto over Buff Bagwell. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so the, the second to last match on this rundown is the other match that really has um, some build on this, this show, um, dating back to uh, the last York Hall show where Big Demo beat um, Tomohiro mm. Ishii. Um, we're seeing Big Demo challenge uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, which is another fantastic match. Uh, well done to you there, Rob, for staying focused through my booing, because <laughs> that couldn't have been easy. But, um, I was really disappointed that Damo went over Ishii. Uh, I bought a ticket to that show to see Ishii. That was, that's why I was there. Uh, so I, I was kind of gutted he lost. But um, I can see what they're doing, you know, building it for another match. And um, it, it should be a decent... Contest, I guess. Um, uh, unlike you, uh, Rob, this is the one I'm least looking forward to. Uh, I just don't really see a lot from it, to be honest. What'll be interesting to see is uh, how much they give to Big Demo, since is he is he being groomed by New Japan? Are they testing him out to see what he can do against the New Japan heavyweights for a potential run in Japan? That could be a possibility. Because he is getting Nakamura tonight and Tanahashi the next and night. Tanahashi, yeah. Um, I'd be surprised. And it, it's not often you see um, a New Japan guy actually lose outside of um, mm. Japan. Uh, one of the few guys that's happened with is um, Damo beating Ishii. That's my boy. He always loses. <laughs> <laughs> so disappointing. Um, obviously, Ishii, as much as we all love him, isn't really positioned them anywhere near the same level as Nakamura. Um, but 
I can't imagine Damo in any situation beating Nakamura. But, no, um, it's not happening. A, a strong showing here could do wonders for him. Um, and yeah, uh, I think it's definitely going to be an interesting clash of styles. Um, Damo has apparently been getting interest um, internationally, not just from um, New Japan, but uh, also over in the States. So uh, he's definitely being held in well uh, in high regard. I honestly think oh, he'd go over well in Big Japan. I think that would be a good spot for him to kind of um, work uh, more on the uh, the strong style. Uh, the, the guys they've got over there are basically like a, a bunch of guys like Ishii. And I think he'd fit in well there. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think there's a communication thing with, with Ishii where uh, Damo really wanted Ishii to hit him hard. Like mm. he really wanted him to leather him. And I don't know if Ishii kind of got that. I don't think he uh, got the message. It felt to me like it took half a match before it got to that point where, they, where Ishii went, oh, this guy... He, he wants me to wants fuck me him to... up. <laughs> it's just not <laughs> happening. <laughs> I thought the first half of that match was carried just by the insanity of seeing Ishii, like, five feet away from me. Um, so I didn't really notice any drop in quality, but yeah, that match really got good towards the end. Yeah, yeah, agreed on that, but uh, I think that's um, something he'll need to iron out with, with Nakamura beforehand. He'll need to go mm-hmm. up there. Uh, Nakamura's English is a lot better than Ishii's, so I think uh, they won't have that same communication problem. I think if he just goes up to him before the match and goes, look, if you want to hit me in the face with one of those elbows, go nut. And that takes up to the last match. Yes, in what I, I can only imagine will be the main event. Um, we've said all, all, nearly all the matches could be a main event <laughs> anywhere in the world. But um, this one is being for the, the British Heavyweight Championship is the one. I, I think they'll get a hell of a... They'll get a hell of a boost, uh, Skirl and Osprey especially, from being on a card uh, where they've got Nakamura, they've got a card, they've got Tanahashi, three of the biggest single stars in the world, and they're the guys going in the title match, that, which is probably going to go on last. That's that's going to be a massive boost to their confidence before they even walk through the curtain to, to go to the ring. And you'll know they'll be going all out. So this match is... Um... AJ Styles defending uh, against the man he beat for the title, Marty Skrull, and Will Ospreay, who until recently was the Cruiserweight Champion. Um, this match was set up um, in the aftermath of the uh, title change where Styles beat Skrull, um, with Ospreay uh, making the save after the revolutionists piled in on Styles. Um, and Wow, three ways in general aren't my cup of tea compared to a, a straight singles match. It's the level of talent involved um, is is such that it's still a match I'm very much looking forward to. With a triple to threat match, they have to plan it out properly. Uh, it's the kind of thing you just can't wing it. Uh, most of the really good triple threats, uh, the stuff that uh, Joe and uh, Loki and uh, Chris Daniels did in in TNA. A lot of that was pre-planned and worked out beforehand. And even with that, you run the risk of, you know, screwing something up and uh, everything going wrong and somebody getting lost. Um, Which I think actually happened in that famous three-way match. Apparently Joe went (laughs) too early. And from 
for apparently Styles and um, Daniels said uh, in their mind uh, it the match could have been a hell of a lot better if they'd uh, just left that um, if they'd followed the plan as it were. That's the thing is like when you when you're constructing something like that, there's, it, there's so much complexity involved in it, um, and you can't go out there and wing it not with three people because most of that will involve uh, one guy lying on the floor overselling while the other two work. <laughs> And I've seen that way too many times. It's going to be pretty spotty. It's going to be pretty so. PWG in style, TNAX division. All those guys can do that style. So it should be something more like that, unless like one guy in the two guys in the ring, one guy out of the ring, one guy lying not, on the not, floor. Not, yeah, yeah. Have a <laughs> bit of that. That's the worst. I, I actually had that complaint about uh, another match in uh, Rev Pro. It, I, no, I'm trying to remember who was in it. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have brought it up, but Will Ospreay was in that match. Will Ospreay, Rich Swan, and Josh Bowden, was it? Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Rob. Um, yeah, uh, Will Ospreay in that match, he took a a, a bump to the floor, uh, <laughs> the top rope, and then he just kind of was lying around down there. And I kept looking over at him, and he's just lying on the floor. And it, like he's not selling, he's just lying there looking up at the ring waiting for his spot to come back in <laughs> and it's like uh, give me some suspension of disbelief here it's like are you able to wrestle are you gonna get back in there i, I remember that match being very disappointing since it only went about five minutes and osprey was only in it for about one minute so this will be probably at least 15 minutes i'd say so they're all gonna get their stuff in i don't think there'll be too much lying around yeah i hope not but like i said i it should have a lot of pre-planning, and hopefully it will be a, a good match based on that. Uh, AJ's a very good planner, so hopefully <laughs> it's it, it's a show still. And are we looking at a title change here? Uh, I've kind of got it in my head that Osprey's winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I was kind of expecting that the <laughs> universal agreement there. but uh... I mean, I think that's the right way to go at the same time, um, but even if perhaps it's a little quick... Since AJ just won the title, well, I suppose it was a few months ago, but he's only had one yeah, event. The, the only um, thing that would shock me is if Skull won it back. That, yeah, that yeah. would kind of be going back to where you were before. I think the only other direction they could go in is AJ retains, beats Skull, and then Osprey beats him one-on-one at yeah. the next York Hall show. That I could see as well. I think the thing is, Styles can't lose mm. or New Japan's not going to let him lose um, I think as soon as they, they announced that it was a freeway I went yeah that's, that's how the they're getting about <laughs> yeah. AJ without him taking a fall um, it, it makes sense it just seems perfectly set up to do that and you know if they want, they clearly wanted to put the belt on Styles and this is the way they have to get it off him um, and yeah Will is the, the hot property um on the UK scene at the moment. So getting the belt on him is definitely not a bad mm-hmm. idea. And um, if that does happen, that will lead to a champion versus champion match on the, the next night, which is Global Wars UK. All right, so Global Wars UK on the 3rd of October, Saturday, um, the second show of the New Japan Double. And the first match on that show is a bit of a unique one, Lord Gideon Grey versus Ghetto. Definitely a comedy match up here. Um, what do you guys think of that? Or should we go for a laugh? <laughs> it, it's it's a match I never realised there was a <laughs> before it was announced, but when it was announced, I went, oh, cool, 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to enjoy that. And that's, it, I assume it's going to be an opener. It looks like it's positioned to be an opener, and that's kind of what you want from an opener. Something to get the crowd into into the show. And uh, both these guys are good at involving the crowd. So, yeah. Uh, it should be really funny, I would, I would hope, anyway. Uh, they're, they're funny guys. I, I, I imagine we'll laugh at that. I'm definitely into both guys' shtick. Um, it could actually be quite a well-wrestled match as well, because Ghetto had some good uh, wrestling matches in the Super Juniors, and Grey seems to have uh, stepped that up. But yeah, definitely plenty of comedy, maybe some English out of Ghetto to battle back on Grey's promo. I expect profanity from uh, from Ghetto. <laughs> maybe a surprise Jedo appearance, you never know. <laughs> I doubt that. That'd just be too much for me to take, I think. <laughs> <laughs> just keel over and die at Jado so coming out. Came uh, dressed up as Captain Noah. That'd just be the end of it. <laughs> I'd just be like, "Wow, well, my life's complete." <laughs> <laughs> Comes out as Captain Noah. Captain Noah, why would you do that? Why would you, you do Mark, that? Um, moving on to the second match, uh, a bit more serious, but I'm not looking forward to it nearly as much. Um, Guns and Gallows, the IWGP Tag Champs. Dot Gallows and Carl Anderson versus the Rev Pro Tag Team Champs, James Carson and Shaw Samuels. Um, I don't see how this match could be any good. Just the mixture of guys is not favourable um, to any of them. I'm hoping that is somewhere other than second, uh, or possibly it could work as an opener and they just do it as a comedy. Because uh, I could totally see it as a, as a comedy match. Uh, Anderson's a funny guy, Shah's a funny guy. Mm, if they broke up the talking shop gimmicks, the Sex Ferguson, um, that could work. But as a straight wrestling match, Dot Gallows does nothing for me. James Castle does a tiny bit for me, but not very much. I could see Shah Samuels and Carl Anderson having a match if Anderson uh, was motivated. If he's not on holiday. Um, Which he kind of was last time he was here. Uh, yeah, pretty much. From what I could see, but uh, like I say, I, if it's a comedy match, I think it could be okay. I'll be all right with it. Anyone else want to say anything about this? Or... <laughs> no, nice no, move on. There are far better matches to talk about. I would have preferred Tenkoji against Castle and Samuels. Get James Castle in there with some veterans. See if that helps him out. Some machine gun chops and some uh, Mongolian chops. Lots of chops. We still don't know who Tenkoji are facing. They haven't had an announced match. No. I think they're still coming over since they're both advertised the meet and greet. So I don't know who they c- I don't know who they could face. Maybe the thrillers really are the only other yeah. people I could, I could see. They could face facing. each other. It'd be fine. Well, no, Haskins is doing something in this show, isn't he? Uh, no. No, he's not. No. Yes, thrillers would be a good option then. Or um, maybe for bringing in Team Defend, then you could have two members of them. Okay, we'll move on to Kashida versus Tetsuya Naito versus supposed to be Chris Travis. Um, are they going to be replacing Travis here, or are we going to get Kashida Naito? I would be all for just seeing Kashida Naito. That sounds like a tremendous match. Um, maybe not to uh, to you, Arnold, with uh, not being the biggest fan of Naito's well, gimmick. You, but... you say that, but um, I was kind of uh, campaigning for Kashida to be included in uh, G1 this year. Because uh, I felt that whoever won Super Juniors, that should include, you know, part of that should be you get into G1. Um, I don't really understand why that they have this thing about not having uh, the juniors in there. And yet Ibushi went in there when he was junior. 
to why can't Kushida? It feels kind of weird for me, but uh, obviously we can't really do a lot to affect New Japan booking. Mm. Well, you say that, but not being in Japan means that they can have this match. They can have Naito face Kushida and have it be a competitive match and not have to worry about the junior heavyweight divide. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But then uh, it it never has done. The the, the WWE's whole size thing of, like, you know, cruiserweights always lose to the heavyweights. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't translate well to the Western audience who, like, see Rey Mysterio face Great Carly or whatever. Um, But if they do go straight singles, obviously Uh, Naito would win. But I think it would be an incredibly. Sorry, I think I just had a seizure. Just hearing the word yeah, Great Carly. I shouldn't have done that. That, that, that was very it. irresponsible. The Punjabi that. playboy. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? <laughs> um, a potential Naito Kushida. Kushida and Naito is going to be a very good match. Uh, I would be quite happy with it being a singles. Quite happy. I, I think, in general, I'd prefer it. I can't imagine many people they want to bring in um, to put in there with and um, Kashida can afford to lose since he's lost his belt that's true that's true um... I knew I should have watched that New Japan show <laughs> don't worry he's gonna win another one he's gonna win <laughs> probably he's probably gonna win the tag belts if it, I could see maybe if they, they do go the route to bring in Kirby to face um, ACH then they throw him in this one too, but mm. yeah, uh, singles match here would be yeah. the ideal. And if they put Jake McCluskey in as like a third guy, <laughs> I'm very upset. I will, I would love to see Naito just piss off McCluskey and do his tranquilo gimmick and chuck him around a bit. I would prefer I would prefer not to see McCluskey. Moving on to AJ Styles versus Jushin Liger. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, on on paper that is uh, ridiculous. I, those right there that are two of the best uh, junior heavyweight cruiserweight, whatever you want to call them, two two of the best ever. The fact that AJ has kind of transitioned into a heavyweight, uh, it shouldn't affect the the match that they're going to have. The, the style that they're able to. Uh, work with each other. Uh, I'm I'm very excited about that. Mm-hmm. AJ, as you say earlier, he said himself that this is a dream match for him, and it's a kind of a, a true dream match for all of wrestling. Like, as you say, two of the greats, and they can't have anything but a really fun match and a really it's, good match. It's here. the kind of thing where you'd think it would have happened somewhere else. Uh, for it to be happening here is uh, enormous. It's enormously exciting as well. It's just the the aura of the, the two guys going up against each other. I'm looking forward to the match, but I do think I am perhaps missing something by not having the nostalgia for Liger that you may have. Arnold. I have a lot of nostalgia for Liger. I remember seeing him on uh, World of Sport. Uh, oh, wow. Keiichi Yamada, possibly? No, they changed his name. They changed his name yeah. to uh, like Fuji Yamada. Yeah, and uh, that that's what he wrestled under. Where there's a, a match between him and Mark uh, Rollable Rocco on uh, on YouTube. So if anyone wants to see some classic world of sport, that that'd be one to look up. 
like the unmasked Liger before his before he was Liger. Yeah, so I I don't have the you know I don't have that um, nostalgia for for Liger in the same way. So I probably won't appreciate it, this match in in full. Um, but at the same time, um, it's it it's still a, an exciting match. Um, I'm not expecting a match of the year or anything, but um, these are two. Well, Styles is one of the best wrestlers right now. Um, in the oh, world. he has he has been for a while. Uh, I'd say the last ten years, I'd say AJ's been up in that top five percent. And Liger can still put on for his age a very good performance, and I'm sure this will be one of them. It, it's certainly a match I'm I'm really looking forward to, like uh, AJ and Liger. But the the, the three matches that uh, we've got left, uh, they're all going to be really strong. Yeah, they've all got one of the big three in them. Yeah, up against an opponent that they can work with. But uh, the whole AJ Liger thing for me is... Uh, it, possibly it's the nostalgia thing from from my part, having watched Liger for... Uh, God, a, a long, long time. <laughs> I'm starting to feel very old. Um, but he uh, has always been one of the best of what he does. Uh, I'd say in terms of cruiserweights i off the top of my head i can't think of anyone that i would say is a better cruiserweight than jushin Liger. has had a better career as a cruiserweight than jushin uh he's just that good and has been for like 25 years possibly longer than that and yeah, his quality hasn't really dipped at all. Like, obviously, I haven't seen been... many of his earlier matches, but he's he's not as mobile as he was. Uh, going back to, I'm trying to think where, where would the the drop off would start. I guess sort of. I'd say, from what I've seen, I haven't seen a huge amount, but like early two thousands was was where he, it. Was. He definitely changed his style because he used to be more. Uh, I don't want to say aerial, but sort of uh, mobile. And he he changed it to a very deliberately paced style with uh, bigger spots thrown in. But he he's always been strong across the board. He's 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 very good at getting the best out of what he can still do. Mm-hmm. He's very That's smart with that. Plus for him. I mean, if, only, even if he only came out and did like three spots, I mean, but it's kind of the same as Sting. Uh, he's a, he doesn't do a lot, but he looks good. Uh, he still has that aura about him. He doesn't screw anything up, so you could. It's it's like Ultimo Dragon uh, when he was at WrestleMania and he came out and fell over his cape. It's that's <laughs> not the kind of thing that Liger is ever going to do. He's not going to walk out and you know fall over and, and embarrass himself. He's too good. You've cursed that now. Oh yeah, and they now will fall down the the ring steps or something. Uh, to be fair, I've, I've been watching him for a very long time, and he's never done anything stupid. Uh, and if he has, he's if he has, he's recovered from it because that, that's the difference between. I mean, every wrestler makes mistakes; they all do. Um, it's how you recover from those mistakes and cover for them that makes you great. The best wrestlers make mistakes and you don't notice they've made, yeah, made Dean mistakes. Dean Malenko was just a, a god for that. It's the, he'd, he'd screw something up and then he'd kind of uh, counter what he was 
the, what the other guy was doing in midair to recover from it and it just look amazing and it'd be like you, you can't even you can't even screw up it's just too good and uh that's kind of where liger is that's uh you know that's the the level of of legend and he is he's a legend 100 yeah that was a bit of a Jushin Liger love fest for I'm sure nobody would mind. Yeah, that. sorry about that. <laughs> um, next match got on emotional. this card. <laughs> next match on this card is Big Demo versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. A really interesting matchup, I think. Demo in another big high-profile singles match against the top big three New Japan guy. Uh, I think it depends what uh, Tanahashi you get um, as to how that match is going to go down. Um, he was working for DDT recently and kind of pissed everyone off there by saying it was beneath him. And he had a match with Harashima, who was a very, very good wrestler. Uh, uh, easily the, the best technician, uh, technician in, uh, DDT. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. He, he felt that was beneath him. Uh, so coming over to the UK, I mean, is he really going to be that into the tour or is he going to think about it as a holiday? I mean, they've got him in a tag match on the first night. I can't really remember uh, how his match with uh, Skull was the first time he came over here. The thing with the Harashima match is that was kind of the gimmick he was going on in with it. Like, I'm not... <laughs> It may have just been some really meta psychology for him not to work a hundred percent against um, in that big match, but um, he 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 came in joking that um, you know he he's playing a heel to the DDT fans, saying that DDT is below him. So I'm not sure that was a hundred percent him going. I'm not working full effort here because I can't be bothered. Well, that's the thing with Japan. You're never quite sure if it's a work or not. But uh, I know he's uh, he's been struggling with neck trouble um, for, for mm-hmm. quite some time. And during the G1, uh, there was a spot where uh, Ibushi basically kind of javelined him into the turnbuckles. And I think I read, I think it was Meltzer said that he's having trouble with his neck based on that. And he's kind of a bit pissed off about working a lot of dates. So I'm not sure how much we're going to get out of him. But he is a professional. I'm sure he'll do enough. Mm. Well, if we get even half of what he was capable of in his uh, Sumo Hall G1 matches, the AJ Styles one especially, and the final, were fantastic matches. Um, He's obviously still capable of performing at a very high level, but the effort, whether he wants to, whether he wants to put his body on the line... uh, Remains to be seen. I think Big Demo will definitely get plenty out of him, though. Big Demo is not going to let him just take the night off. I think his match with uh, Nakamura is probably going to be better. Uh, uh, Demos, that is. Uh, I think that will probably be yeah. a better match than the one with Tanahashi. I think Tanahashi will kind of do it. Mm. Uh, he'll get beaten up a lot and then, you know, sling blade, high fly flow, and that'll be the end of that. Um, it's interesting because you could. I could see either or both, or you know, perhaps even neither, um, guy Nakamura or Tanahashi somewhat taking a night off against Demo. Um, Nakamura has been known to phone it in somewhat in the non 
huge matches and uh you know Tanahashi you always have the thing where he's he for for the past few years he's been um working injured um at least for the past few years um and you know you can always take an international day off um to preserve himself um we have seen that Tanahashi when going up against you know a big lug can pull a great match out um if you look at the the Farley match against um well Tanahashi versus Farley from the G1 Tanahashi really managed to get the best out of uh, Farley so not there's a lot to get out of him you no know, he he's got it in him <laughs> um you know if you can get a good match out of um Farley you can get a good you can get a great match out of Demo if you're working hard which hopefully he will who knows who knows? Oh, say, it'd be nice to see him anyway. I mean, uh, uh, Tanahashi, um, you can say what you like about him, but the man's a legend, um, in uh, a modern legend anyway, in uh, in terms of uh, New mm-hmm. Japan. He saved the company. Uh, he's gone into the Observer Hall of Fame. He, the, the guy's done everything apart from uh, Crack America, and I, I don't think that was ever going to happen. Uh, shall we move on to... Yep. The next match, a real charisma explosion here. Marty Skrull versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Probably the biggest match Skrull has ever been in. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, the, nothing against Marty, but uh, I really hope Nakamura batters him. <laughs> <laughs> just just for my own personal amusement, because uh, there's nothing finer than watching uh, Nakamura just... Uh, when he's on, when he's on form and he just he wants to entertain and... Uh, mm. Throwing knees everywhere—that's that's the best. I, I hope Skull gets nothing. <laughs> just nothing <laughs> just gets beaten the, the hell out of him, and uh, I, he can even win with a flick roll-up or something. But uh, he's not winning here. I I don't care. It's just as long as as long as Nakamura just beats the hell out of him, I'll be happy. Uh, I kind of fell off on Nakamura during the G One. Like I felt he really started phoning it in during the block G One matches. Um, luckily, his the final match against Tanahashi, I really enjoyed. Um, obviously, he's not going to be working on that kind of level here, but I think certainly he'll be working harder than Tanahashi. He's got a bit more life left in him than Tanahashi. Obviously, he's nursing some injuries as well, but... Um, he's about five years younger. I thought they were the same age. No, uh, Nakamura just started... Well, Nakamura got a, a huge push really early on. Super rookie. Yeah, he's five years younger than Tanahashi, I think. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, he, he, he's been working big matches for roughly the same time, maybe a little less, but there's not the five-year difference there. So he's, he's got the um, the same kind of wrestling age and probably the same amount, nearly the same amount of big matches under his belt um, in terms of wear and tear. Um Mm. I think for the longest time, um, Nakamura's been a guy who, when he really turns it on, there's almost, maybe not even almost, maybe there's no one in the world that can touch him. When he when he's on that that huge dome show, he's he's going to deliver an amazing mm. match. He's going to get a, a a top level match out of a, a Sakuraba who's done nothing all year. Um, he's going <laughs> to 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 be fair, Sakuraba, that's mostly on the booking rather than him. True, true. Um, well, uh, he's going to get a, a fantastic... 
an, an unbelievable match out of Ibushi. My favourite match ever, probably. He's gonna um uh he's he's gonna have a fantastic match against Tanahashi after seemingly not having such a great G one. Um, get to the final and have an unbelievable match there. When he turns it on, there's almost no one who can touch him. But at the same time, at least for the past few years, probably longer, it has been clear that when he's not in the big match environment, there is a good chance that he doesn't give full effort. Partly because he is so charismatic that he can get by on charisma alone at mm. the time. I, I feel like that's the big draw of this match, the charisma of both men. I feel like, especially this second night of Global Wars, um, uh, the matches will take a more exhibition-y vibe. I don't think, like, Nakamura versus Damo has had a build, has a feud. I think Nakamura will be a bit more hyped for that one. Not only being the first singles match of two, but just knowing who Big Damo is and having had the small angle with him. Like, he'll be a bit more invested in that, whereas here, I think they might have a bit more fun. Skull, he's prone to having, like, the fun matches, the comedy matches. He had one with Zack Sabre Jr. in the Progress Strong Style Tournament, uh, where they just kind of, like, did dick jokes for ten minutes. Um, and it was still fun, but it wasn't as, like, on form as Skull could be. I think that's what's going to happen here. They might joke around, they'll play with each other's characters. And you'll get a good match, but I don't think this will be like really strong work uh, work rate wise. I can't say I really blame uh, Nakamura or, or Tanahashi for taking it easy, though. I mean, the yeah. the, the sheer number of matches they wrestle in in the course of a year, and the, the sheer work rate that they put into those matches. Uh, uh, the the only guy that seems to give like a hundred percent every time he works is Ishii, and I don't know how he does that. And um, even on uh, commentary during G1 uh, Gado was saying I, I really hope he stops taking all those bumps on his neck because how do you keep on doing that it's, you don't um, whereas Nakamura and Tanahashi perhaps they're a bit more sensible about that and realise that you know you've only got like a limited number of bumps you can take and that's the approach they've taken but uh, I can't say I blame them and they're, they're both uh, earned uh, the right to do that. Yeah. Marty, someone we've mentioned on previous episodes that can, he can kind of work to the level of his opponent. So a lot of this is going to depend on how much effort Nakamura is putting in. If Nakamura is phoning it in and, you know, Skull's working to that level, it's probably not going to be too great from a, you know, a, a nerdy star rating point. But these two guys are very charismatic. I can't see it not being fun. I, I'm sure I'll enjoy that match. I, was, I, I can't see how I wouldn't. It, it, even like uh, with the issues that I've got with Marty, uh, uh, I'm sure even if even if it was founded, I, I think they'd probably still do enough that I would be entertained. Um, but personally, I'm looking at the the Global Wars card and thinking, uh, you know, on paper those those are the matches I'd rather see. Um, it might just be my the, the fact that I like the big singles matches, but um, but no, it looks good to me, especially the what I think is going to be the main event, which is next. Mm-hmm. Will Osprey versus mm-hmm. Kazuchika Okada, potentially champion versus champion here, and um, these guys are younger than Tanahashi and Nakamura, um, and 
Osprey obviously is gonna be going all out here. And I think Okada will match him, to be honest. I think this has a real chance of being really special. There's a few guys who've tried to outshine Okada, and you can't. It's <laughs> the, the way that he operates is that uh, he takes whatever, however good you are, whatever you're really strong at, he takes that, he does it as good as you, and then he beats you. <laughs> that's that's just how he is. Um like literally the only uh, guy you can't beat is Tanahashi at the at the big shows. And that's the way he's been booked in New Japan and that's that's the way he is. Uh when he was over in uh, Rev Pro he wrestled against uh, Austin Aries. And that that was a very good match. And mm-hmm. it was by and large down to both guys being on the same page. But Okada took everything that Aries was good at matched him at it, and then just, you know, binned him. Um, (laughs) So, you know, him against Will Osprey. Will is going to have his work cut out. If he wants to look uh, like a superstar in that match, he's going to have to really bring his A game, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure he will. Yeah, I think Will is capable of at least hanging with Okada. Obviously, he's not as good as Okada, but he has the energy, the passion, and, like, the fan support as well to really up his game and put him on that level. Put him I, on. I would say of of all the matches that weekend, that's the one that I really want to say. I, this is having gone on about to like AJ and, <laughs> and Liger for a while. Uh, that match, Osprey and Okada, that's that's two real top quality guys in their prime. Uh, you couldn't ask for more than that. And I feel like this match could be an advert for Will Ospreay potentially going to Best of Super Juniors next year. Like, if he puts in a really good performance and the New Japan officials see him and like him in this main event spot, they could definitely be giving him the call to fill out the tournament. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it, I would agree. It's It's definitely a match that for me, it's either this match or the the Kushida O'Reilly match that I'm really most looking forward to from the weekend. And um, probably this match will, if I was putting money on it, the the match that will come out of the weekend with the the most buzz. Probably what most people will decide as the best match, mainly due to positioning compared to the O'Reilly Kushida match. Mm. Um, I find it. Almost kind of strange. We, I think, we all predicted that um, Osprey was probably winning. Um, I'm not 100 percent on that. The title. Not 100 percent. No, and this was kind of the reason I wasn't 100 percent as well because it seems strange that they'd have him win the title and then lose to Okada straight away the next night because there's, you know, he's not beating Okada. No. Okada's gonna be the the uh, IWGP champion. There's no way he's dropping you can the pin. you can spin that as him losing to the best wrestler in the world, the IWGP champion. It's no no shame to hang hang with the IWGP champ and just lose. Sure, sure. Um, but from I don't know. I maybe I'm thinking in um, trying to think in a promoter's mindset, but having. Having your your champion win the belt and then lose the next night doesn't yeah. seem like a thing that that most promoters would do. It but, depends. 
It depends how the uh, the match plays out. I mean, if it plays out where Osprey, you know, gets really close to beating Okada, like uh, more than once, and it's you know you get the two count, and it's like oh, yeah. it's so close. Okada's fantastic at the two point nine kick out. <laughs> he sure is. Um, if it plays out like that, then they could have a hell of a match, and no one will remember that the champion, that you know, the the Red Pro champion lost. They'll just remember it was a hell of a match. Mm. Um, so I, I'm just glad I they booked it. I think he definitely gained more than he'd lose there. Oh, I'm just glad they booked that uh, that match as a as a one on one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not complaining in any way. Don't get that wrong. Um, that this is a a match that on even on such a great card, it I it still stands out. A yeah, main absolutely. Event. It, it does it does stand out like with the previous the previous night at uprising i don't think any match really stands out and part of that is that every match is is fantastic mm-hmm. whereas with this show most matches are still pretty fantastic but um the match i'm as you said that stands out is yeah this, this one. one has um, the potential to be really special yeah Special is exactly the right word. I can't see it being anything but that. Uh, shall we move on to discussing the third show that is not going to be happening? Uh, it went in the toilet, essentially. Uh, Cancelled the Super Clash 3 um, for Superstars of Wrestling in Gloucester. Um, I believe that the promoter pretty much ran out of money, essentially, is what was going on there. He had already lost AJ Styles to WXW. Um, and I think he just didn't have the money to pay the New Japan guys. I was under the under the understanding that the reason that the these New Japan Rev Pro shows were happening in such um, you know more than they previously happened, where you have one or two New Japan yeah. guys come in and have a match. Here they they really had they they well first of all they had two shows instead of one. Um, two big shows, and they brought in loads of talent, and that was because originally it was scheduled to be just a few New Japan guys come in, and then um, the what was it called? The Super Clash show um, was announced, and they they talked to New Japan and said, right, we'll bring in all these guys. And since they're over there, Red Pro said, right, well, we'll use you know since you're there. We'll, we'll use you as well. Um, we'll love to have you. And, you know, I'm not sure. I, I obviously don't have details on the flights and stuff like that. And who's Obviously, it's sad to lose the third show for anyone maybe further up north in Scotland, maybe, who can't get down to London and stay there. Um, some of the matches that were on that show included <laughs> the NWA Tag Team Championship match, uh... The war between Tenkoji and KES, I was going to say, couldn't be contained by Borders, but apparently it can. I don't know if KES are still coming over on the weekend, and whether... I don't think they are. Um, and there were some other matches. There was Dave Mastiff versus Kushida. All of this lost the time now. So, I don't know whether the New Japan guys are taking bookings for that final day, or whether they're just gonna chill on Sunday. I'd imagine they just fly back and you know, get back home. Uh, you don't have that many wrestlers, Rob. They'll they'll be taking booking somewhere. 
So you can see big New Japan stars showing up in working men's clubs on Sunday. <laughs> I doubt it somehow. I doubt it. Can't see Tanahashi wanting to work an extra date if he doesn't I, have I can't to. see Tanahashi, but yeah, maybe Kushida and uh, uh, like Naito and Okada will probably work somewhere, I would have thought. That, there must be we'll someone see. running we'll on see. Sunday that, uh, that wants somebody awesome on their show. I, WXW could potentially steal them for that final day. I think they're running shows on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which is why yeah. Red, Dragon, Red Dragon yeah. and uh, the Bullet Club are over there. So, And um, Starves was there, of course. So, yeah, they could just uh, bring all of them in. But I nothing's announced. No, it's all up in the air. Or the majority of the guys. Well, Sunday, well, what are we doing Sunday? We'll just get them on for like a, a live show, right? <laughs> yeah, we'd, yeah, we'll just get them all on. You know, grab 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 a microphone and uh, <laughs> just whoever's available. I'll take Liger. <laughs> yeah, he probably. I'm pretty sure he speaks good English as well. Perfect. Liger, yeah, Liger. He loves fish and chips. Thing. Good, good information tonight. That's the one of the two things I got from his shoot interview. The other is that uh, Hiroshi Hase has got enormous nostrils. <laughs> Brilliant. All good information. All good information. Um, the final thing I wanted to touch on here before we wrap up is the the implications of um, Rev Pro becoming uh, more of a fixture for the New Japan guys. This is um, for the first time uh, they've run a, a a mini tour over in the UK with Rev Pro. So the first time they've been announced as joint shows rather than Rev Pro shows featuring New Japan talent. Um, these shows are actually booked as Rev Pro and New Japan shows. Um, I, I get the impression that they're going to be similar to the Ring of Honor shows. They're going to eventually find their way up onto New Japan World. Um, so it really seems that um, Rev Pro and um, New Japan are getting closer together. Uh, and I'm wondering if perhaps following the same pattern, the way that um, it worked with Ring of Honor, where they they, they established a relationship and then they, they had longer tours together. And then before long, you see uh, Watana Watanabe over there, um, one of the New Japan young boys over on Excursion, um, working now primarily for Ring of Honor. Um, could you perhaps see one of the um, the current crop of young boys, um, either Tanaka, Komatsu, or maybe even Jay White or uh, Finlay? Well, perhaps? apparently Tanaka is going to America, and Komatsu is going to uh, uh, Mexico. Yeah, uh, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so that's the the two main ones. Uh, possibly Jay White. Uh, I don't think Finley would really learn anything over here because he's from Ireland. Yeah, because he's just left here. Um, possibly, but uh, I, I don't know. It's, it depends uh, how far they think Jay White is along in development, really, if they wanted to keep him... He's only been young boy duties since February, I believe, so probably not time for an excursion yet. But uh, I think if they did... He has come along over, really well. Oh, yeah, he's um, fantastic. He's, he looks... Mm -hmm phenomenally good for a guy that's only been working as long as he has. 
Uh, I'd, uh, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, Komatsu and, and Tanaka both come along uh, a lot, so it, it's it's hard to say, um, uh, like comparatively, uh, uh, whether he's the the best of the, uh, of those guys. But they're, they're also good. <laughs> where, where do they find them from? <laughs> well, Bad Luck Farle found uh, Jay White. So <laughs> the best thing. Oh, shit. I thought it was Devitt who found them. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure they they went to New Zealand, which is where Fale is from. New Zealand, I think. He certainly knows the lo- He knows the Indies there. So either way, I think um, right. if they did bring a young boy over here to become on his on his excursion, um, that would be fantastic for Rev Pro. Um, you can see now with. Watanabe getting booked more in Ring of Honor, but he's very over, and just having the lion mark attached to him is a draw. Well, not a draw, but he gets a reaction from the fans. I would imagine he's probably going to go back now. Oh, yeah. Tanaka's yeah, I think over. post-Wrestle Kingdom I think the back. cycle is just about and, to um, go through. Yeah. And um, the... Is it Kamataichi in Kamaitachi. Mexico at the moment? Used to be Takahashi. Yeah. Something like that. Um, I can see him uh, being brought in to uh, join Naito's stable, which I can't pronounce at all. Um, Do you want me to pronounce it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, doing it. Say, yeah, go for it. I'll go for it. Los Ingobernables. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I can see uh, Kamataichi being brought back there. Um, maybe not this cycle. Um, the, the guys coming over to um, Red Pro. Um, but I think in the future, it's definitely becoming established enough, this partnership, that it's an option, um, which is an exciting prospect. And I really think that um, the UK would be a good place um, for mm-hmm. an excursion to take place, because uh, geographically, we're quite a small country um, with a lot of promotions packed in relatively close together. Um, you couldn't really have a full excursion just working rev no. they simply don't run enough shows. but every promoter at every promoter would be lining up to get that new japan logo on their poster and have a new japan guy present there even if it was just a young lion that would mean a lot to like mid-level promotions looking for that extra bump come see new japan's jay white or whatever that would be really big uh, it depends who your market is but um I mean, some providers only kind of aim for local traffic, and I uh, I don't want to say that New Japan's like a big draw for. Mm. I'm living in my bu- I'm living in my bubble here, where I think New Japan, like yeah, New Japan yeah. wrestling, is the biggest thing in the world, and everyone I, loves it. And... <laughs> yeah, I, I I would love to be in that bubble, but uh, unfortunately, most uh, uh, wrestling fans only watch the WWE, and you know what can you do? Yeah, but at the same time, if you look um, at the growth Rev Pro has experienced, and I think a large part of that is due to um, the New Japan partnership, um, there's definitely um, there's definitely a, a level of hardcore in the UK that well, New Japan the, the, it, it does the make level a difference. Of, uh, hardcore fans has in, increased. Uh, definitely. Otherwise, progress wouldn't be selling out in like twenty minutes. Um, you you wouldn't be selling out your call uh, for a show where it's mostly Japanese guys. Uh, that's that's where the hardcore fan base has, has uh, 
increased since uh, you know back in the day, where um, you, you had to have uh, an American draw. Really, uh, the the Japanese guys mm-hmm. just wouldn't draw. Um, when they tried to do a show with Muta, um, it just didn't draw. That they couldn't they couldn't get it to work. Um, admittedly, that and he had an American name. That, that was a one PW thing, but uh, that's that's a podcast in in of itself. So uh, I think we should probably <laughs> just not go into that. Or a book. Uh, yes, we did write a book on that, Rob, and it, uh, <laughs> it's available. <laughs> Uh, from Amazon. Good to know. <laughs> and I've forgotten the name of it, but um... <laughs> <laughs> which isn't ideal for plugging. But um... <laughs> yeah, just search one pw on Amazon. Yeah, one pw. I'm not furious, and it, it's in there somewhere. You know, I'm gonna have to look it up now because I can't remember the name of the book. Yeah, so I think we're just about wrapping <laughs> up now. While uh, Arnold desperately searches that up and tries to get it in before we close out the show. Uh, you got anything else you want to say before we uh, we uh, we head out of here? Uh, no, other than I'm very, very looking forward to next weekend. I'm looking forward to meeting you guys in real life, and I'm looking forward to watching some amazing wrestling. Yeah. Um, I'll be... At, I think all of us, well, all three of us are at both shows. Um both the Reading and the London show. Yep. Um, me and Arnold are on the oh, balcony yes. um, during you, the London you show. You're getting that bad look for, Rob. <laughs> looking forward to it. Um, so, um, and Ollie, I think you're down on the floor in the premium seats. Yeah, right? I'm hoping for fourth row. I'll probably get like 10th row. But, you know, you, you get a pretty good view <laughs> from most places in there. Um, for the Reading show, I think I'm fourth row. I think I'm something uh, like that as well. Something like that. Yeah, I'm third row. Um, if if you want to come up uh, to us and say hello during intermission, because I know a lot of the uh, listeners are are going to either one or both of these shows, um, I'd love to love to meet you. Um, I'm the short guy with a ponytail. That yeah, come over and say hello. Um, the the book is called All or Nothing. <laughs> It was the, the book go. about One PW. Um, it's written by one of the guys who promoted it, uh, not the the terrible people, but the people who promoted it at the end. Uh, so it's it's uh, got a lot of the inside track. It's a very entertaining read. If you ever wanted to know how a promotion works and how much money uh, you'd have to pay Ric Flair to turn up for something, <laughs> it's uh, it's the book to read. Um, description: I, uh, I'm six one. Uh, I've got a lot of hair. Um, my wife is tiny. She'll be with me. She's quite <laughs> tall, so you really can't miss us. Um, I'm incredibly nondescript. Uh, I'm also quite short. You'll probably miss me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be the guy throwing Rob Reed off the balcony. <laughs> but yeah, um, hopefully we'll see some of you guys there. Um, we we will have a podcast. Hopefully, touch wood, um, covering the. The events of the two shows, um, and at that point, some combination of the call and recording died to an unusable level. But thankfully, we pretty much reached the end there anyway. Surprise, surprise! Student internet isn't the most reliable of things. All that remains is for me to get some plugs in and close out the show. So here goes. As I was just mentioning, as we got cut off, the next episode of the Brit Restaurant Table should drop 
pretty early October, covering the events of the two joint shows, and, without going into details that at the time of the recording, nothing is finalised, and I wouldn't want to disappoint you, the plan is to have a few fresh voices on that episode from the British wing of the Voices of Wrestling team. Accompanying that coverage, we'll have written reviews up on the site for both shows, uh, which will go up alongside a multitude of columns and reviews from across the entire spectrum of wrestling to cover all of your written wrestling needs. Currently, we're in the process of putting out a wealth of articles and podcasts focused on the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, ahead of the ballot deadline, as well as gearing up for the September Match of the Month. So head over there if you want to be a part of that. I know I've said uh, I'd have reviews up of the Rev Pro shows from this month, but Andy Quilden's laptop issues that we mentioned earlier on, and really was the catalyst for all our scheduling issues, putting behind any shows to focus on getting caught up with the Rev Pro TV episodes, which has meant the VOD shows are quite badly behind. Uh, they're a bit old by this point, and when they do finally go up, it's um, I'll still be giving them a watch, because Haskinson versus Styles is really a match I'm still excited to see, even um, now it's not really very fresh. Um, I'll post up some thoughts on the forums for that uh, when I get around to it. Uh, seeing it hasn't gone up yet, but yeah, whatever. Um, speaking of scheduling problems, for those that wanted to hear our thoughts on the Progress Chapter 21 show, uh, scheduling issues have meant that we've opted to bump the Chapter 21 talk until after the Red Pro New Japan episodes. So we'll be talking Chapter 1 not on the next episode, but the one after that, when we'll also be previewing Chapter 22 um, on our new schedule that will drop mid to late October if all things go to plan. If you can't wait that long, then Ollie had a written review up on VoicesOfWrestling.com. You can also check out my brief thoughts on the show on the How to Progress Through Progress spread on the Voice of Wrestling forums. And in general, just talk about all, all things British wrestling on there. Uh, in what's really become a great community for British wrestling fans. Um, yeah, come join us on there. Speaking of the forums, I also post mini-reviews of each episode of RevPro TV on there in the RPW thread. So if you want to know what's worth checking out on the YouTube show each week and uh, don't want to wait till the uh, podcast, um, yeah, that's the place to go. So yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I think we've just about clocked under two hours, although after I've slapped this ending on and added the intros, and who knows, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, at the very least, it's shorter, even if it's still far from short, really. But I hope you've enjoyed. Um, and hopefully the three of us will see some of you guys in the next few days at the shows. If not, from me and both Ollie and I, until next episode. Bye. There is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.